Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Trinity Radio. You found the channel that loves atheists. I'm Braxton Hunter, and today along with me is Michael Jones of Inspiring Philosophy and John McRae of What Do You Mean? We got together in Florida at a church and been having a lot of fun, and today we're going to we're going to talk about atheist, popular, uh, bumper sticker type phrases. All right. and we're going to get your thoughts and your thoughts. So here's one that we have privately talked about already today. But maybe you're familiar with the Spider-Man analogy. For those out there that don't know, Matt Dillahunty and others have talked a lot about the Spider-Man analogy, which says, hold on, if you guys are saying, look at all this stuff we see in the Gospels from Luke and all that, that's like really specific locations, names, the types of work that somebody's doing, the right term, depending on where you're at, all of that. So this gives us great reason to trust the, the Gospels. And then somebody like Matt Dillahunty steps up and says, hold on. Uh, what if in 2000 years we said, hey, look, here's there's a guy here writing about New York City. It's got the Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty. Here's where it is. Here's the names of the streets. Therefore, there's a good case to be made that Spider-Man's true that takes place in New York City. Your thoughts first? Yeah, it, we know Spider-Man is fiction. If you're going to ask people 40 years after Spider-Man was written, people are going to say, well, this is a work of fiction. Yeah. People that were writing about Jesus wrote about him as, as if he was an historical figure. Every early Christian did, Tacitus did, Pliny, Lucian, Josephus, they all wrote about him as if he was a historical person. So that right there shows you this is a bad analogy to begin with. Mm. And second of all, the story of Christianity about a dead and resurrected Messiah does not fit with the Jewish background of what they were expecting when a Messiah was supposed to come. They were expecting a conqueror, someone who's going to defeat Rome. And instead they got somebody who uh, preached that uh, we were all sinners, that even many of the Jews had become sons of Satan, which does not fit with that at all, and that then he was going to die for their sins and then rise, and that would prove he's going to be the Messiah. It's completely an anomaly in terms of the background. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. And um, I haven't heard any of them make this case, so... Hopefully, I'm not straw man in their position, but I mean, I think about like, I mean, just think about it kind of practically here. Like, when during the time in, in the first century, too, during the time of Jesus, the disciples, the first Christians, they were willing to die for Jesus, right? Before the truth of Christianity and what of Christ's resurrection. So, that's obviously different. You're not going to get a lot of people today that are going to be willing to die for Spider Man, given that Spider Man is willing to stake their lives on it, right? You're just not going to get that. And um, even if you say that maybe some people would. Sure, but that's not going to be a whole community like it was in the New Testament of these Jews that were very devout and had every reason to reject Jesus being God in the flesh and resurrecting. They weren't predicting um, a Messiah that would, a dying and rising Messiah, and especially in the middle of, of time. You know what I mean? The resurrection is supposed to come at the end of time. So, so anyways, it goes against their expectations, but they still fell down and worshipped a man as God and also were willing to stake their lives on that claim, so much so that there's reports of them even like laughing when they were gonna be executed and stuff because they had that much trust and confidence that Jesus was the true God. So wow. the equivalent yeah. to Spider-Man, not a good one in my opinion. But. All right, here's one. John, we'll start with you maybe if you want with this one. Have you ever heard anyone say this? 
extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while, though, since <laughs> I don't deal with atheists that much yeah. lately. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, and I, I think it depends what they mean. Usually when I hear people use that, they're saying something subjective where they'll say, like, well, that's not enough to convince me. Because, like, what is extra, extraordinary evidence, right? Like, what do you consider that? Can, can we... It glows. Yeah, yeah, it glows, right, yeah. <laughs> so I guess, like, it depends on what you, you mean by that. And I think that that's obviously not true. And William Lane Craig and them have responded in, in um, terms of, like, Bayes and stuff like this, too, where, where it's not true. I, I, don't, I just don't think it's... Why, why I think that's the case on top of it, yeah. What the heck is extraordinary? Is there a way to measure of it? It's extraordinary to have certain amount of extraordinary. Points? You're extraordinary. Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> so it's a totally subjective standard. I would say seeing an Egyptian army on chariots go through Canaan right now would be extraordinary. But you know, three thousand years ago, that would not be extraordinary. Uh, but of course, quantum mechanics back then would have been extraordinary for them. It's not extraordinary today. We have multiple experiments showing that. So extraordinary is totally subjective to the person. That's not a good measure. Because you're basically just saying this, when someone says that, they're saying, well, I already have a worldview I've determined and anything that goes against it is extraordinary. So if it contradicts my worldview, it therefore is extraordinary and I need to have extraordinary evidence, whatever that is, to sort of refute it, which is not a good standard to measure anything that could challenge a worldview. You guys nailed it. Here's one, philosophical arguments aren't good enough. You need empirical evidence. You need empirical evidence for what? Yeah, yeah. Can you give me empirical evidence that you only for the claim that you only need empirical evidence? Right. <laughs> you can't do that. That's itself a philosophical claim. It pulls the carpet right from out of the rug of that. Yeah, the responses to philosophical arguments are off of, off, often philosophical <laughs> yeah, arguments. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. John? Yeah, I, I mean, and I think that this just kind of fails to understand the, the different types of evidence and when we use different types of evidence in different situations. like. Um, you, you know, sometimes in some cases you won't have empirical evidence, but you still can come to a reasonable conclusion. So I think that it just depends on understanding the different types of evidence and when to use evidence and when not. But kind of like you said, it's a self-defeating claim anyway. So, mm -hmm. John, there are 45,000 denominations according to Internet atheists and Catholics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they often tell us we can't, why can't we agree with ourselves? If we could agree yeah. with, uh, wow, I mean, look. All you have to do to find out why the people at First Baptist are wrong is ask the people at Second Baptist and the people, you know, you've heard this sort of thing before. So um, how is a person supposed to make sense when you've got all the, it seems like God's people in Christianity are just completely mixed up. Is that right? Well, I guess the, the question is what follows from that, right? So you have all these different dominations, so what follows from it? Therefore, that Christianity can't be true, the Bible uh, isn't representative of a truth or, or kind of what I mean because based off of that then you'd be able to determine what the answer would be um, I think the reason for it um, I think we can even discover biblically because I think what we realize in scripture is that we're also self-centered and prone to wanting things our way you know what I mean and, and we all have a sin nature a fallen nature so it makes sense that there's going to be disagreements on this but also, too, I think when it comes to anything that's true, there is going to still be disagreements on it, and people are going to see things in different ways. I mean, any sort of scientific theory, and you know, you're going to have different. I mean, even theory of evolution. I mean, how many different views are there on that? Mm -hmm. um, but I guess the the real question is, how many Christians are all these dominations if they have different Christianities altogether? And I think the answer to that is obviously that's not true. Um, when it comes to like the core ideas and the central message of Christianity, uh, most 
um, Christians, or I, I don't even know how you would even give a percentage on this, but most people are going to agree at the core essentials of Christianity that are explicitly taught in Scripture. So. so I would say that these numbers are blown wildly out of proportion. Some of these different denominations are literally just because they're different churches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and all Christians agree on core doctrines. The, the differences between some of these denominations is, is like how to baptize yeah. or things that don't even affect uh, salvation right. or core doctrines. We all affirm things like the Trinity, resurrection. So this is wildly blown out of proportion. All right. Well, but forget that for a second. There's just no evidence. What do you say yeah. to that? Yeah, I would say you need to do more reading. Uh, there's, uh, even, even. It's not me, Mike. You're saying it like you're talking to me. You need to do <laughs> more reading. But you do too. You should yeah. do more reading. Yeah. Uh, I would say even people like Graham Oppie will admit who's a popular atheist. There is evidence. Paul Draper as well, yeah. who's an agnostic, mm -hmm. will say there is evidence. He mm -hmm. just is not say there's enough for him. Yeah, somebody like Draper would say, "Look, it's a there are evidential chips that fall in favor of theism." Yeah. So, like the you know, you, I don't know if he says this, but you might say about consciousness. Okay, well, that seems to be that shakes out as an evidential chip in favor of theism. Doesn't mean that it's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that that it goes back to what we said earlier, which is a failure to understand what is at evidence actually is. If you think about it in a simplistic way, I mean, at least in my mind, the way I think about it is um, anything that can. Um, um, pull um, a proposition, so you say Jesus is God or something like that. Anything that can add to the probability of him being God or lower the probability of him being God, I would say would constitute his evidence in some sense. Yeah. And so thinking about it in that just kind of simple yeah. way. Um, so, I like that. so real yeah. quick, I'll just give moral argument, resurrection argument, That's evidence. teleological argument. Yeah. They mean uh, empirical argument from evidence. Consciousness. That's the problem. Usually when people say that, they're saying flat-out empirical evidence. I don't mm -hmm. see God in a test tube, so therefore that can't be, you know, there's no evidence of God. And that's just completely false. There's a million counterexamples we can use of things that we believe, um, yeah. you know, exist that you can't put inside a text. And I'm talking to two guys here. Uh, yeah. Both became Christians, and they were influenced by evidence. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, and all those books I got, and like, what is that? It's just full of nothing, you know yeah. what I mean? It's just not nonsense, right? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, but John, you're just a Christian because of your parents. Yeah, it's not true. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's interesting, too, because David Wood said he tends to get this, and he said, um, like, his best friend and his wife weren't Christians when he met them, you know what I mean, and stuff. So, so it's like, that's just not true. I mean, that's just what people say, but that's not true. For me, I didn't grow up in any sort of, like, church going home or anything like that. We never even talked about any of this stuff, you know, and so... Um, for me, I was persuaded in college primarily. I mean, um, I had my first church experience when I was 15, long story. Um, but um, in college is where I took philosophy of religion and that's what gave me the start to kind of start getting into this stuff deeper. And I was persuaded by the Kalam. Um, and I still think the Kalam's persuasive. I've debated it for years with a lot of different atheists and stuff. I still I find it too. persuasive, yeah. yeah. And too. so, um, yeah, so for me it was um, later, it wasn't because I was born into this stuff and even then, that doesn't falsify it, even if I was born into it. doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that I'm accidentally right. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian because of my parents. Okay, you're an atheist just because of your friends. You just wanted to fit in. Yeah. This is a, that's really kind of mean for me to simplify your worldview like that, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, that sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. For me not think you're a complicated human being that may have way different options, that may have studied <laughs> this. You know, maybe you should try being that, extending that kind of charity. Be nice, Pritchett. I mean, Jones. <laughs> no, I've, I've moved on okay. from that. All right, uh, let's see. Okay, what else do you have here? Okay, but but don't you know, guys, Jesus probably never existed. If you're going to say that, you should be wearing a tinfoil hat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are going to address that one. I mean, well, here's the thing. I guess... I, how about I just hit this? Okay. The reality is, we have great first-century evidence for the existence of Jesus, and beyond that, even if we didn't have things from Tacitus and uh, references and, all, and uh, things that you just mentioned, I guess on another show, but um, but uh, all that being true, does it help you at all to know that like? Every teaching historian at an accredited university, like on the planet, who's talked about this, thinks that Jesus existed. Yeah. <laughs> Does that yeah. matter a little yeah. bit? Okay, yeah. um, let's get to the last one. Uh, or the, no, this isn't the last one. The Bible. The Bible is hopelessly contradictory, and you could never make a playlist of twenty-nine things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing videos where I'm going through these alleged contradictions and saying, no, these are not contradictions because you don't study the context of the Bible or the cultural context, and. Look, I can even say maybe there are contradictions in the Bible that resulted from scribal errors or very little things like how long did this king reign, like how long did this king reign in the book of Kings versus Chronicles, or when did he become the king? I mean, that's not something that's central to the faith. That's not something that's going to be a huge issue. Those could just be chalked up to scribal errors that happened over time. That does not mean the Bible is somehow hopelessly contradictory. A lot of this stuff when it comes to the New Testament contradiction, you can go through and show. No, you just got to read the context of like John 19 and see that he's actually saying Jesus was crucified on Friday. Therefore, he's in agreement with the synoptics. A lot of these alleged contradictions often take what the Bible says out of context to show a contradiction, or they ignore the cultural context. They'll look at Matthew 23 and not read that in light of the Targums or light of other Jewish literature and study the Jewish themes that they, that they were using in those days. You did a great job, uh, Michael, on a very difficult uh, issue, which is when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed your response to that. I encourage people to check it out. John, you have anything to add? I, I just say um, a lot of them, too, just aren't even really contradictions. Like um, uh, like the undesigned coincidences that Tim and Lydia McGrew have put together to kind of show, clear up some of that, too. So I think a lot of it's kind of, it's just, it seems more like a talking point, to be honest, to me, because a lot of people can't, if they say that, they can't even... All the people I've asked that they said it to me, they can't even tell me a contradiction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they might have one memorized heard. maybe. You know what I mean? And yeah. so um, it seems more like a talking point than people a lot of the time that are seriously engaged with it. And that's not to diminish the people who have taken the time, but um, yeah, anyways. Have you guys ever heard anyone say this about Christians who are into apologetics or philosophy of religion? It's like the, the reality is you don't, you guys don't know. You just hate the idea of not knowing. So you have to come up with, you guys heard that before? Yeah, I've heard that. You um, want to speak to it, John? For, yeah, I, I just don't think that's true. Like, mm -hmm. um, and, and this is me just, um, this is from my perspective. Like, I hope that I'm right here, but I genuinely feel like there was a long part of my life where I didn't care one way or another per se. I didn't have a dog in the fight. I just wanted to know what was true, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? But I wasn't even, I was very okay not knowing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I believe that I was, and I hope that's accurate. I believe so. And so if that's the case, like, and people are like, oh, you're just afraid of going to hell or, or afraid of dying or something like that. That's not true in my case, you know what I mean, as far as I'm aware. So so anyway, so, um, yeah, I just say that that's just not true. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's not I, true. I can tell you plenty of things I don't know and I'm, I'm comfortable with. I don't know if there's life on other planets. Mm -hmm. So there's one. I don't know if um, eternal security, which is a Christian idea, is true or not. Can you lose your salvation or not? I don't know. I don't know why the Lord has taken hair from thee and given me this luscious, beautiful thing, but I just, those are things I'm comfortable just not knowing. Yeah. This is how we'll all be in the, in the kingdom. Just so you know, in the end. Hairless? Yeah, this is the, this is the preferred state. This is what men are progressing toward. 
throughout their lives. It's not a deterioration. You're just in denial. You need to read your Bible, bro. All right, uh, John was busting out Leviticus something yeah. earlier about yeah, yeah. bald guys being awesome. He is bald, but he is clean. Leviticus. I can't remember those actually. You hear? That's me. I'm clean. You didn't have shampoo back then, John. <laughs> okay, last one, guys. Last one. In order to use God as an explanation for something, like the conclusion of an argument, you first have to establish that such a being exists. Now, this, I don't think, is one I've heard as much, but I've certainly heard it from some particularly well-known uh, spokespersons online. And it's like the idea that, wait a minute, you can't say that God is the best explanation of X. You haven't shown that there is something like a God to serve as. My initial reaction to this has always been, and it can't be as simple as this. My initial reaction to this has always been, hold on, the argument I'm giving you is meant to yeah. establish that there's a God, so then I can point to God yeah. to best explain other things. Yeah, because then right. it's like, there goes science. Right, right. like yeah. if you take that method, then you have no science. Yeah, like, Higgs boson. Yeah. It was yeah. posited long before we had any evidence for it, but it was yeah. the best explanation of the data. Uh, Einstein posited all sorts of things about yeah. general relativity that he could not prove, but he said this is the best explanation of the data. Yeah. And there's all sorts of things in the metaphysical world. Like, people will posit, I like this form of normative ethics. Like, I'm a utilitarian. Yeah. or I'm a virtue ethicist, or I'm a deontologist. Okay, do they need to prove that's already how ethics actually is before they can use it in an argument? No, that'd be silly. My audience probably knows who both of you are, but if you don't, you need to check out both of their channels. They're linked in the description, and uh, go check them out. If, if you're into the sort of stuff they're, they're making there and creating, then subscribe. And guys, it's kind of like awesome after several years knowing both of you this is the first time we've ever met in person yeah. and just to to have you guys on trinity radio with me is like really cool, cool. thanks Appreciate for coming it, on yeah thanks, one question for us, man. when are you going to fire jonathan and put me behind you instead <laughs> um uh let's get to work on that all right another okay. quick question real quick what do you mean what do you mean <laughs>